0: Hello and welcome to Pressing Matters, a fly-on-the-wall-style podcast about WordPress, business and life. Your hosts are Ian. Hello. And Jack. Hello. Ian's a plug-in author and works for Delicious Brains. and Jack runs Better Notifications for WP and his web design agency. Let's get on with the show.
1: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Pressing Matters. Jack, how's things with you? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah,
0: all good. Uh what have I done this week? What have I done? Launched about three sites on Monday. That was stressful. And wow. the rest of the week has just been kind of site maintenance for a whole bunch of sites actually. So um so yeah, it's been a pretty standard sort of a week really. Um yeah, how about yourself?
1: Yeah, not too bad. I'm finding it hard to get work done in the last sort of week or so. It's been my son's birthday, I had my birthday yesterday and my daughter's been a bit poorly, so it's just like tried to hard to get into proper routines of work at the moment and I'm sure it's just gonna get worse with the run up to
0: Christmas. Um yeah, yeah, sure. I didn't know it was your birthday. Happy birthday for yesterday.
1: Oh thanks. Yeah. I know I realised I dropped that in and it sounds a bit like self God, give me some happy birthday, people. But yeah, no. Thank you. It was it was uh pretty bog standard as as you would imagine, as you get older. Birthdays just become less important, don't they? Compared to my son's mm. fifth birthday the week before, which was just like big, big, big birthday and kind of going all out for it. But, yeah, nice. Yeah, other than that, no, all good. Um and as I say about the run up to Christmas, I notice our guest today's podcast is wearing a Christmas jumper, which Alex I feel is very early. It's still November.
2: Christmas jumpers are a frame of
1: mine. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, and with that, welcome Alex Denning to the podcast this week. How are you doing, mate?
2: Thanks. Uh, I'm good. Yeah, I'm getting into the Christmas spirit, which uh, is is essential for this time of year. It also happens to be my warmest jumper and uh, in the UK right now. It's very cold. So, Yeah, very functional as well. Yeah, nice. <laughs> it is. I've got a
0: jumper similar to that, and I just call it a Nordic jumper. So then I can wear it both in November and in January. If it helps. Because it's not like a full-on Christmas jumper. It's not like you know Santa and reindeer and you know. I'll be honest. Green also, I
2: work remotely. I wasn't planning on going outside today. So if I'd known we were doing video, maybe I would have.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've just totally called you out on it. I'm so sorry. This is the, the nicest yeah. for intro, our audience. So that... <laughs> for our audience, Alex is not wearing a Santa hat. It's just a, a slightly more, like I say, Nordic-y themed jumper. Yeah. <laughs> But it's well, good. You're not get, that sort of person that puts your Christmas tree up in like October or November.
2: No, no, of course not. No. Okay, yeah. <laughs> As he says, hiding As the he, Christmas tree. The line somewhere. <laughs> yeah, he's just pushing the tree over behind him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> get that out of the shop. The
1: office, yeah. Oh. oh, I should just reiterate thank you for coming on, Alex, and talking to us and obviously getting uh, yeah, getting involved in the Panzer Straight Away. Um, but I just, yeah, what could you tell. Um, our audience just a little bit about yourself and what you do with WordPress. Sure, sorry, I feel like I've derailed your uh,
2: professional start already. Um, I've derailed myself, Alex, do not worry about that. So
0: there is no professional (laughs) start.
2: My name is Alex, Um, so I run a marketing agency called Ellipsis Marketing, and we solve marketing problems for WordPress businesses. So my job is to solve problems all day, um, to work just within the WordPress space. Uh, so, our clients are WordPress agencies and, for the most part, WordPress product businesses. Um, I also co author a lovely newsletter for WordPress <clears throat> professionals called Master WP, uh, which you should subscribe to. And uh, yeah, I've been doing WordPress for like a while, maybe like 10 years, I think. Um, I was like an organizer for WordCamp London this year, which was really interesting. And uh, yeah, lots of WordPress. Nice. I am indeed a
1: subscriber to Master WP and enjoy reading it each each month, uh, each week even sorry each month. That's that's our um, timescales. I think it, on Master WP, I think it's replaced Post Status for me as a go-to sort of um, way of getting a bit of WordPress info and and weekly knowledge in my inbox, which is good because I was a bit sad when that you know became very very sparse so master wp is definitely worth subscribing to um
0: i have to say i've been a subscriber on and off i think of master wp for various reasons occasionally i just like every six months i just get rid of all my subscriptions and kind of almost start again from scratch and um i signed up again this morning because i wasn't already in 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 ahead of this podcast and had a look through and i love the um the combination of kind of designy things and development things and kind of everything in between, really, that that comes with it. Where some of the other uh, like newsletters you get, like uh, WP Mail, I think it is, uh, and yeah, the Post Status one, they tend to be more focused on one particular area. So yeah, it's it's, it's really good.
2: Thanks. Yeah. So well, that's my co-author Ben Gilbanks, who does all of the design and development stuff, um, and he understands that, and I do not. So I just edit his little bits. <laughs> um, yeah, it works really nicely. Mm. I, I, nice. What I
1: particularly like about it, and um, this is obviously, we've, we started off on a on a different tack that mm-hmm. I was going to ask you about, but what I particularly like about it is the fact that you kind of, you curate the the links and you talk about why you like the links to the blog post or whatever the article in it. And there's mm-hmm. a bit more than just like, you know, it's not a, a newsletter that just obviously has uh, links to loads of blogs and you do an RSS feed where you just say this is the link to this blog and this is what the you know their excerpt and like it, it's a very hands-on um, um, newsletter which you know it, it must take more time out of your day to craft but you can see that benefit from a
2: reader. Yeah I mean it varies each week uh, depending what is happening we normally try and cover like the the thing that's happening in WordPress that week um, that's the main story but if we do that, then I often don't mind if the rest of the stories have nothing to do with WordPress. But something like uh, the WordCamp US recap I did, uh, it was like 1,500 words. I went through, We have uh, three people who kindly copy edit it every week because we were sending out too many wrong links. And with email, you don't get a chance to rep- correct it. So... Uh, yeah yeah you know, it's kindly copy checked i also that work rest story I then sent to multiple people to get their feedback before it went out and uh, we've now started doing custom graphics for it which uh i really like i'm i'm not convinced anyone else has noticed i uh, i have i i
1: like it and yeah it's nice to sort of be um it's a stylized look that's now your look like mm. um that I noticed it. It was a, I think the most recent um, article or most recent email was it had a link to Alan Schlesser's kind of contributing um, post on and his talk, and it just the image was just him, but you know, very kind of watercolor yeah, effect. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, yeah. I love that style, and uh, you know, I think as a reader, it's nice to know that the efforts going in, it you know, it looks really nice. It was good.
2: Yeah, that that. uh Alan's talk, uh, which was at workout, You asked about the cost of contribution um, was really good and uh, yeah, in part, I wanted to run it so I could get a nice graphic of Alan Do a good talk.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Um, Yeah, we've kind of gone gone sidetracked, but I guess, so as you say, you're running a marketing agency for WordPress businesses, but where did you,
2: how did you get there from starting to use WordPress. Sure. Uh, so I started to use WordPress um, in like 2007 or so. Um, so I was at high school and uh, I made a blog uh, and it was early enough that like blogs were still exciting. Um, so uh, I found out that if we called ourselves Press and we got free video games uh, from like, reviewing them from uh, the video game PR people. And that was obviously very exciting to me. Um, and uh, being a teenager, I obviously wasn't going to pay anyone to make my website or my blog. Uh, so built it on WordPress, and I started figuring out how to do that. Around that time, uh, a lot of the like online WordPress community was starting to appear. Um, but there was a lot of the time where the answers for whatever you're trying to do with WordPress even if it's basic stuff uh just weren't quite around so I started there was one website there called uh Hack WordPress um which later became I think wP hacks um I and they often had all all these little code snippets um and that site was the like influence for uh pretty much every, like, what is now a major WordPress blog. So, like, uh, the guy who ran that um, saw <clears throat> had bought the domain, WP Tavern. And he sold this to Jeff Chandler, who then started the Tavern. Um, I started WP Shout after doing that, um, which was then an influence amongst other sites on WP Beginner. And it all just kind of sprung out of that one site. Um, yeah, and so then I realised I wasn't very good at being a developer. So, but I liked the marketing bit, and so uh, here we are. <laughs> nice. So, so, did you write a lot of articles
1: back then? What, and is WPChat yeah, so, still alive?
2: Yeah, it is. Yeah. So yeah. I wrote hundreds and hundreds of of development tutorials, most of which are absolutely awful because, as, as I said, not. Turns out that wasn't my strength. Um. Yeah, but that's that's how I got started into like WordPress and content was just writing a ton of of stuff about how to do whatever it was with WordPress. Is, is WP Shout still yours, or is it? No, it's run by two guys, uh, Fred and David, who uh, took it over when I started uh, university. Ah, nice.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, I recognise the the branding from reading articles from from David
0: on there. Nice. So when you say you, you preferred the marketing side, more of the development side, um, can you elaborate on that? What, what was it that when you, when you say marketing, what, what do you mean by that?
2: I found it really fun to like grow an audience on the blog. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this was a time when RSS was very popular. So like obsessively watch my, uh, feed burner, RSS mm-hmm. subscriber numbers, and, like work out ways to increase the, the, uh. We were RSS subscribers. We do kind of like f- did some like fun reader competitions. Oh, I would be excited to see how many comments a post got. How I could get more comments? Um, eventually started an email list, and then you know that was another thing, another metric to look at. I found that stuff really exciting. I do like guest posts on other sites um, to you know find new readers. And all that stuff. Um, if I had known what SEO was, I would have found that very exciting too. But at the time, I didn't, so <laughs> kind of missed out on that bit. But I found like the the kind of solving the problems around the uh, the the analytics, how many visitors a post got, did it get more than last week's? Um, all that stuff I found out really interesting, um, and I became more focused on that. And I f- eventually, over time, like the content was a way of moving those numbers Mm -hmm. which i found fun rather than liking the content (laughs) in itself and also as the site got bigger uh i kind of have more responsibility to put out more responsible content like i think i wrote a post that uh about how to put a theme options panel in your wordpress theme Mm -hmm. um that like everyone used in 2011 but i didn't know how it worked (laughs) and uh, the code was almost certainly very very bad and irresponsible so over time it was kind of felt like it was the right thing to just step away from the code bit because, yeah sure uh, you know, people were using it in the wild and like wordpress was a bit of a wild west back then
0: mm-hmm. yeah no sure I. I'm, did you so you say you found that part more fun did you find that that kind of put you off from the day-to-day running of the site because you were more interested in kind of the after effect of something that you were doing on the site like writing a post or something and or did you find that you you still liked the whole process because you could kind of track it from beginning to end
2: yeah i like the whole process so like, the day-to-day running of the site was everything so like writing a new post would be part of that mm-hmm. um and yeah you know i used to spend like an hour or two a day responding to comments and like those were a big deal back then Mm -hmm. um yeah it was it was just pretty interesting
0: okay great and was there anything you say i know this is obviously you know a long time ago and things may be different now but was there anything you that you did in particular on that site that made a really big impact
2: i mean you can draw a straight line from like my job now to running that site sure so uh that's obviously positive. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I got my first bits of freelance work from. Um, I like tried to to do various projects off the back of it, which uh, were interesting experiences. Like we I launched a theme shop the same day the Genesis theme launched, which is quite funny. Okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, that one didn't quite work out, but uh, that was, that was the same day, which was fun. Um and, you know, you got to do all experience running like a digital business essentially. Um and yeah, and then like the the bits of freelance work, first doing bits of writing and then like doing bits of marketing turned into uh what was now my job. Yeah.
0: Sure. And you saying earlier about that you, it's all kind of WordPress businesses that you focus on, um, WordPress plugins, and uh, presumably other other kinds of people working with WordPress. Um, is there a particular reason for it just being WordPress? Is that just because of your background, or is it just that that's an area you feel that you can help? I'm just I'm curious.
2: Uh, it's both. So uh, like it's a it's a, like it's a market that I have access to, having been in the WordPress space for for a long time. Um, and also it's an area where we can have a very high impact. Mm-hmm. So I think the two have to, wait, well, you have to have both of those.
1: How, how long have you been running get uh, the Ellipsis, the marketing agency?
2: Um, the business uh, is nearly two years old now. Okay. Um, but that came off the back of freelancing full time for another two, three years before that.
1: How have you seen sort of like, you know, I guess, how busy you are because, as you mentioned before, WordPress has always been a bit of a Wild West in many ways, uh, you know, over its over its time. And I think, especially when it comes to, like, WordPress plugin shops and developers, marketing's always been a bit of a second thought. So it's like, ha- have you seen people now just suddenly get more interested in that and therefore your work's gone up? Has it been hard to find clients?
2: So... There's a couple of strands there. Uh, the, the easy one is like if your mar- I say to clients like if your marketing agency had a problem finding clients, then uh, you shouldn't trust them. And that's yeah, my that's yeah. my excuse for for why we <laughs> can't do the work tomorrow. <laughs> um, but the so like from WordPress moving from like I, th- I think what you're kind of describing is like professionalization of uh, the WordPress industry um yeah it's true that like in 2010 my theme shop aside you just had to be there to be successful um and you could make a thing that solved a problem and you would probably be the only person doing that and Mm -hmm. if you were smart you could turn that into a business which is still going today and there are many examples of of that um that is not the case anymore like you don't just being there uh, isn't gonna isn't gonna work so for those that kind of like legacy approach of build the thing hope for the best it used to be okay now it is not okay um, and I think that is good it's uh, WordPress is is like a big responsibility now there's like a third of the internet uses it and mm-hmm. um. It's probably for the best that is that like the functionality that a third of the internet relies on isn't maintained by like two people Mm. i think it's it's good for everyone that there is more competition because it forces everyone to get better and there are like some good instances of of where that's happened and just healthy competition like hosting is a good example where WordPress hosting is changing so quickly and it's because there's so much competition and it forces everyone to get better fast. And that's Mm -hmm. what we see in, I can't and also don't want to name an example where that's not the case, but like that competition drives uh, exciting things, which are good for consumers and good for like the health of the internet. Also as those businesses are able to hire more people and so on, Um, they're able to do more stuff faster which again as it uh, so many people are using that stuff that's just like more responsible to Mm -hmm. to not have like one person um, who knows how this thing works so for from our point of view um, yeah there's a little bit of uh, people needing to focus more on marketing um, in where they haven't been do it, needing to do that before that is there's a little bit of that um i think in general uh people recognize that it's an essential part of um any product business and it's it's not a thing to buzz on nature it's a thing to look at now
1: yeah and and i guess you, well, you picked up on hosting being but there's almost an explosion of wordpress hosting going on with you know long-term players in the space and people popping up all over um, at the moment. And I guess, it, it, is there an argument to say that actually marketing and the quality of marketing is can be the only differentiator between them because they're all effectively doing the same thing either on Google Cloud or Amazon Web Services or whatever or their own stuff. It's hosting's hosting at the end of the day. There's perhaps not that much that they can um, be different about but it's their marketing that can really drive them forward
2: maybe uh i know uh tim nash i hope won't mind me dropping him in it often says that uh when talking about like new hosting companies he he's said to me before he understands he's at a level that i do not uh working for a hosting company tim often tells me that uh I say often Tim once told me that it is just marketing and there is no difference between these things. Uh, knowing what some people are doing, I wouldn't say that. Mm. Um, the, a lot of hosting companies are working out how to solve really interesting problems around the user experience of running a WordPress site. Um, and sure, like branding that is helpful. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, as, a, as a developer, if you have like key requirements, you want your host to cover and you aren't interested in anything else, I can see how you could come to that conclusion. I think for, uh, there's a lot of instances where people like hosting companies are doing really cool stuff, um, which like, genuinely makes the user experience much better. And that's the fun bit, I think.
0: Mm. Is there any particular example you're thinking of there?
2: Yeah, there are a couple. Um, so, like, GoDaddy bought Koblox. Mm-hmm. And uh, they now bundle Koblox as part of their WordPress installer, which um, is, uh, like, really important. And that means that this page builder experience for Gutenberg um, is is bundled with for people who haven't used WordPress before and um, that initial user experience for like what are the vast majority of WordPress sites where it's just run by a site owner who has not got experience doing it that initial user experience used to be really bad and that's why things like Jetpack were created to help reduce in part to help reduce abandonment of of new WordPress installs. CodeBlocks takes that like a whole new level where uh, you can create a site in a way that's much more intuitive um, and you can actually get what you want and actually do it yourself. That's really cool. Um, And when I was was at WordCamp US recently, I was just really impressed with the GoDaddy team um, and what they were doing and they're just on it and they understood what the problems were and they're like working on fixing them and they just got it. That was really cool to see uh, a lot of other hosts uh, including some of our clients <laughs> um, are solving other problems say around hosting for agencies and there are like complementary problems that you might have. So uh, the currently you're hosting and like site maintenance often Um, sit side by side with a uh, new host, they might solve some of those problems for you. That kind of stuff um, is is really interesting to see. And it's, yeah, it's just the sheer volume of competition that's forcing everyone to do that. Yeah,
0: no, sure. I think actually it's worth mentioning support there and how, how hosting is tackling the support that comes with running a website as well. So I've had a lot of experience in the last year with WP Engine and I think their support is really good and they're very helpful and they all seem to be knowledgeable. It's not like, oh, I need to pass you to, you know, second tier, third tier kind of support. Um, and that being that it's 24 hours as well, uh, it's just, I think that's a real innovation in hosting because how often have you submitted a support ticket and you get a reply the next day where you could hop on a live chat, someone can help you out, you know, in in a few minutes I've rarely been more than two or three places in the queue at any time. And that that's a huge plus for hosting, I think. And and all the acquisitions that are coming with hosting at the moment as well. And WP Engine obviously is, you know, quite a big one in that, taking on flywheel and all that kind of stuff.
1: Uh, well, and also they've they took on atomic blocks and Gutenberg and um, not Gutenberg, sorry, Genesis they've and Studio Press. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can see what you're saying, Alex, about hosting being You know, they're they're doing things and they're innovating to make things better for the end users. But it does seem like, from an outside perspective, a bit of a land grab at the moment. Like, one host buys a block company, another one host has to buy another block company. Like, we've got to get in on the blocks. We've got to get in on, like, local development environments. And we've got to do, like, it. it seems like it's, there's definitely a part of it that is for the user and a benefit for the user. But a lot of it seems like it's just... A race a competition and uh kind of we've we've got to keep up with the other hosts and whether or not that always comes from the, the right place and it's implemented correctly and yeah that's probably just a an outside cynical perspective but
2: yeah uh i think so like uh they i think for the most part people have... there are like smart decisions behind deciding to do or not do things and uh, like from some of those examples, that will be like key user problems that they know needs addressing and if they are like key user problems, then it's not not a surprise that multiple people have those problems so yeah, true, true. I don't think
0: it's a bad thing though you know if there is like a land grab like you say, and they all kind of go for different areas or they're all trying to go for like the blocks part as well that just means that again there's more competition, more place to choose from so you go in with WPN and Go Go GoDaddy, and yeah, you might get a similar kind of experience with either of them in terms of you know what they are offering is, but you still get that choice, and it's usually defined by a price point as well. At some at some stage when you boil it down, you're about to sign up. There is a, you know, I I would have thought the last decision is probably around price. So I wouldn't necessarily say it's a bad thing. I think it just keeps the competition going. Mm. No, 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 sure.
1: So we've yeah we've gone off on a bit of a tangent about hosting, I guess um but i'm interested alex cuz you have well, your marketing company your clients how does that break down in terms of agencies plugin developers product developers theme shops even cuz you, you you know you might know already that jack and i both run plugins uh and you know that's our our main focus or outside of our day to day so i'm just curious yeah. how how that breaks down
2: yeah sure uh, so we do a little bit of work with agencies, um, the vast majority of our day-to-day stuff is with product businesses, um, probably like a, th- a third half of those are focused on WooCommerce, um, and two thirds a half are, um, other WordPress product businesses. Are you, uh, you know, product, is that
1: plugins or is it hosting as well as, you know, like is that, that's the broad uh, term? Both,
2: yeah, yeah, Yeah. so uh, we work, so we don't work with competitors, which does limit the number of hosting companies we can work with, Um. so uh, yeah, uh, most of our work is with, plugin businesses how does,
1: does that work just your sort of no no compete uh, rule does that kind of um limit you to the plugins as well like you're talking about multiple plug-in shops that do woocommerce plugins for example
2: sometimes yeah um so uh we will uh i don't know so there it can break down differently so um this is uh works as an example um because we're not uh currently doing anything with say a contact form plugin um there there would be different market segments within that mm. um so say you might have like a, a end u- uh, like something that's very focused on an end user as a form plugin and it does like basic to middle functionality you might have something that's focused on like implementers and site owners. Uh, you might have something that's focused on developers, and there are definitely uh, form plugins which fit those different market segments. And if uh, one of them wanted to work with us, and then another one did, then um, that wouldn't necessarily be a problem. The the that's like, something that you are seeing more and more. Going back to like professionalization of WordPress is focusing on market segments within the same functionality in a way that previously would have just lumped them all together as form plugins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's like hosting for so-and-so it's form plugins for this person. Um, so yeah, it's it's not really a problem. There have been times where we've had to tell people we can't work with them, which is sad. Um, but... Uh, you know, for the most part, WordPress isn't like super competitive. Everyone's very friendly, mm-hmm. so often it's. Uh, oh, I will speak to so and so, uh, and I talk to them every Friday anyway. So, <laughs> we'll just discuss it then.
1: Yeah, I think actually, from the the point of view of a a, a plugin developer or somebody who's thinking of building a WordPress product, actually f- focusing in in that in that way on a specific segment is a good thing anyway. Um, let alone you know just talking about your sort of non-compete rules um because otherwise if you're trying to uh, market yourself as a plugin that does this to everybody then that's a lot harder than saying this is just a developer focused tool and blah 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 you know it's it's actually important for your own um success i guess
2: right so if you're trying to do a thing for everyone then uh like it's not quite doing it for nobody, but uh it's as it's as difficult. Like we're we're a marketing agency for WordPress businesses. Um if we were like general digital marketing agency and I was working with like the bookshop down the road uh on whatever it was they needed uh and a plugin that would be a very odd mix um but the focus sure it limits your uh, like market opportunity or whatever and there are like more sure there are more bookshops than there are uh, WordPress product businesses I might actually be wrong on that maybe there are more WordPress product businesses
1: <laughs> it's 2019 but, uh, yeah, <laughs> I okay. don't know. yeah.
2: Um, bookshops a bad example you know but sure like if you do, like, say you work for like local stores or whatever it is um, then yeah you, that is being more specific can be a bit scary because it feels like you're missing out on, you know, all of the non-local stores, mm. um, all of the Shopify apps, whatever it is. Um, but by having that focus, you become much more appealing to your target audience and you can focus on exactly what they need. Um, and if you've got, let's say a plugin that um, is trying to do that, being very clear who you are for and also who you are not for, um, it can be really helpful. Mm.
1: So I, I find that quite tricky because um, uh, in the last couple of months, I've acquired a plugin that I'm now sort of putting a lot of energy into. But it's in terms of its functionality, it's quite generic because it allows front-end logins and front-end registration in WordPress, members, community building, profile editing, a load of stuff that is actually quite... It can be used for multiple things like... And I've seen people in support that say, I run I run a website for my sports team, or I'm doing it for this, and or it's a real estate company that's with listings and stuff. And it's very, the functionality allows it to be quite diverse, so I, I'm finding it quite hard to get my head around where to position it, if you know what I mean, just because the functionality allows it to be used
2: in lots of different ways. So that's so that you can have a you can have you could they're not mutually exclusive so you can have something that's used for lots of different use cases and you can talk about those use cases but you'll probably find that your uh, customers break down into pretty similar groups so like probably a third to a half will be uh developers working either in-house or at an agency no, sorry. Let me start again. A third will be developers working in-house or freelancers. A third will be uh, agency. A third will be site owners. Yeah. And like depending on what the specifically what the the plugin does, those numbers shift a bit. Sometimes it's more in-house. Sometimes it's way more uh, like freelancers and small agencies. Um, and then like the rest is site owners. And for nearly all. Uh, WordPress plugins, the mix just moves for those. And then suddenly you can say, okay, well, so half our customers are freelancers, half of them are site owners. And then we can segment, say, the targeting that way. So the copy can have some stuff that appeals to developers, some stuff that appeals to site owners. The site owners might want more, say, outcome focused, um, say, copy. They might want to know more about, uh, what your plugin can can do on their site. And that could be where you talk about the use cases, the developer might want to know a bit more mm. about how it works.
1: Nice, see that's already very helpful. And I, this is what i like. Yeah,
0: excuse me a moment while I just rewrite my entire homepage. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah,
1: so, uh, yeah that, that is good. And I was gonna say like what kind of stuff that you, what kind of services do you offer for plugin developers who are, you know, perhaps, very rubbish at marketing or haven't even taken a step further than putting it on, you know, WordPress.org, maybe they've got a blog. Like, what what would you sort of recommend as a starting point for people? And, and this is specifically plugin developers, owners.
2: Yeah, so uh, for the most part, we, we work with people who have product mm. and market fit. Um, and we do that because if you don't, then, uh, you just end up paying us for some work, which it turns out the customers yeah. didn't actually want. So, for so if you're getting started, then that's a slightly like different question. Um, I would some of the things we just touched on. So focusing on outcomes is like number one WordPress developer error. Uh, as a developer, you are interested in the functionality, but your customers mm. probably aren't they want to know what it can do that's the key thing Um, try a couple of marketing channels so I like to have this like we have this channel philosophy of marketing so everything you could do is a separate channel and you want as few channels as possible so say like freemium could be a channel or uh, SEO content marketing could be a channel or Google Ads whatever it Those they're all separate channels and you want to have as few of them as possible you, try, you do that by trying out um, different channels at the start and then seeing which ones work and then just doing the ones that work. So that means that you're incredibly focused and when someone's like, would you like to sponsor my podcast? You can say yes or no, because I know that this fits um, with my channel and I therefore know how to spend my time but also how to filter opportunities because if you, as a developer, starting a thing... Uh, if marketing's not exciting for you, there are just endless things you could be doing, and it's often quite hard to know how mm. to prioritize that. So uh, staying focused is very important. Um, the on just specifically with regards to WordPress.org, um, optimizing for uh, good copy that converts people on WordPress.org uh, is important. So treating it from that point of view, if I'm trying to get a conversion, which is an install and then using the plugin, um, will mean you write different copies to just, this is a thing that I made, here you go. Uh, and then once you start looking at it from that point of view, then you might realise, say that in order to convert someone to paid later on, they need to actually be using the plugin. So that's a whole separate thing to optimise for. So like, do you have onboarding, do you just dump someone in the WP admin and hope for the best? You start looking at all of those different things um, and just trying to focus on a couple of them is definitely a good idea at start.
1: Okay nice, so what you've just said is for people who are starting out really as opposed to coming to you for more of a kind of a, an established marketing um, process or, or stuff around where they need your help, is that right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah it's definitely for early stage products
1: and, and earlier you just you mentioned product market fit and like I, I hear that term a lot and I think I know what it means
2: but like what yeah how do you define that or what is it um it's just when you've when you found made sure that your offering <coughs> is what people want
1: and, and how um, how do you yeah how do you actually
2: validate that people often because it you tend it tends to become to come side by side with getting more traction so uh, increase in installs say Uh, increase in people telling you they like the product increase in like pre-sales queries matching what you're doing that's a big one if people are telling you I need this and it's what you have then that's ideal Um, and then that pre-sale interaction saying oh if, if, or wherever it that wherever that occurs saying that the product does this and someone goes, "Oh great, I want that also a good sign, and you see all of those indicators start to tick at once, and that's when you know you are close or have it
1: yeah, okay, that is helpful, and I guess it is it's hard when you're say for example you you haven't actually built the plugin or the product yet, but you're thinking like. I think this would be a good product. Like you you wanna establish, I guess, some form of product market fit early on before you even build it. Because if you go ahead and and dump hundreds of dev hours into something that actually nobody wants, but you think they did, is a complete waste of time. Yeah,
2: you could do that with a, you could do that by trying to talk to your target audience and doing some sort of survey. It's the classic one. And perhaps you like keep those people updated on what you're doing um whilst you're building it and then they might be interested in buying. Um and that will also let you prioritise what to build first if you've talked to people. Um it's not it's obviously not quite as simple as that. That can often lead that can also lead you down the wrong path if you talk to the wrong people. Um or they give you the wrong information or whatever. So it's not it's not simple. Mm. It's hard. Um but, yeah, talking to people is like the key thing at all, at the, at all points. Because then you can find out what they need and then you can build that. Mm,
0: nice. I'm sort of of the mantra that people don't necessarily know what they want until it's in front of them or they can see it. Um, for example, like some of the add-ons that I've created for my plugin, the, the best-selling ones, are the ones that nobody's asked for. And some of the one, but I know that they, it would be useful Um, because someone may have asked well no that's not quite right it's it's not that they haven't asked for it; it's that they've asked it for what i've provided them with but in a different way than kind of what they expect and some of the ones that people have asked for and asked for it multiple times so i think okay there's a opportunity there because multiple people have asked for it has been some of my poorest sellers so often i think okay i'll sort of have a bunch of ideas i'll let them stew over time and then the one that sort of keeps coming up in my mind is the one that i'll kind of develop next and if people ask for it along the way then that's kind of a good sign as well but often i i, I just find that if if they don't if they can't see it if they don't know what it could be then often what they're looking for is something that's just a bit of a mess i can't remember the um kind of the design or marketing term for it but you know it's it's this kind of amalgamation of sort of things it's this monster kind of plug-in or monster add-on which has got a bit of this because this person wanted it and a bit of this because that person wanted it so I suppose there is benefit in having that community involvement or building a community especially around a new product but I think ultimately at the end of the day if you're the one developing it you you lead it you 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 do what you want to do with it and you and I've never had any problem personally saying to people, "Look, well, you know, I'm I'm the developer here. This is kind of what I want to do with it as well. You know, this is there are use cases that I find. I just try and make sure that they work for you as as well, and I try and make sure that they'll work for for the users. But um, yeah,
2: anyway. yeah, and that's where like the the this is hard bit comes in because uh, mm-hmm. there are always multiple ways forward, and I guess like from. From our point of view as an agency, I often tell clients what they're having, and they tell me what they want, and I tell them they can't have it.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah, somebody needs to make the strong decision <laughs> like, at the end of yeah.
2: Right, so like, we, but but in our case, like, our case, they come to us with a general need, and then, like, we refine that, say. or well, they think they want one thing, but we can see the problem is actually something mm-hmm. else. And, yeah, that's like where some of the skill in doing this is... is um, and you've got to think about like the business need. Perhaps someone says they want it, but they're not going to pay for it or whatever it is.
0: Yeah, I suppose it's it's uh, a bit of a nightmare when you get clients that are kind of a bit too prescriptive. It's like, well, they're coming to you for your expertise on and what you can provide, not to tell you this is what we need because it, it might not be what they need. They're not experts in it. You are. So they have to kind of, well, the idea is that they listen to you and hopefully take on what you're saying and say, oh, I, I see what you think you need. But actually, what you need to do is this.
2: In our case, if if a client's coming to us, it's because they recognize they have a weakness in marketing, or we could add more strength to their marketing. Maybe it's not weak. Um, So, like, uh, I don't have a problem telling people what they actually want. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, I just wouldn't like to do something that wasn't helpful. Mm that would be bad for everyone.
1: Yeah, so, okay, so someone comes to you with product market fit and they, as they say, they, as you say, they recognize they either have, they need strengthening their marketing. What sort of stuff do you do for them to, um, to strengthen them? Sure, uh,
2: so our first thing is to work out, for most clients we start with something called a audit and strategy marketing audit and strategy um and this works lays out everything that they're currently doing um and looks for opportunities so we look at a number of things We start by looking at their pricing um often there are opportunities to improve the pricing to very quickly uh, increase the revenue and profit pricing is a marketing thing as well So I I feel it's definitely within our remit to tell people to change your pricing, put your prices up, change how your packages are done, do a bundle, don't do a bundle, whatever it is. um, Pricing is like one of the most powerful ways of uh, improving your marketing because it's very easy to change, quite easy to test and the impacts can be huge. So we look at pricing, we look at the overall marketplace and opportunities and threats that are available. So look at the competition, what that looks like, what the competition might look like. Um, we then give them recommendations for their copy and conversion rate. So like, does your WordPress.org copy just tell me what it does? If so, please don't do that. Here are some, th- here are some ways to optimize it. <laughs> um, We then go into this channel based marketing strategy. So like, what are you currently doing? How is it working? How can you maximize those channels? What are some new channels that you might want to look at? Um, And then what are some things you shouldn't do? And that gives a really clear roadmap. Um, And then the clients will either go away and say, implement their copy or we'll do it for them. Um, And then they'll look at their marketing channels and if it is content-based, then we may be able to help them with that. Um, if if it's not, then we'll give them the answers on what to do. Um, yeah, and it's all just focused on uh, making what they're doing more effective. Nice. Um,
1: you talk a lot about copy and, and content and content marketing, I guess. It, it, how much do you go into the SEO side of things? Obviously, content marketing is an SEO strategy in itself, but um
2: yeah we're kind of an seo agency (laughs) um who happens to other things um the vast majority of our work and expertise is in seo so um our content marketing that we do uh we do content very differently to pretty much everyone else because we are laser focused on seo and the outcomes that that creates. So it's not just write about my form plugin, it's okay, what are the 20 keywords we're going to target over the next four months? Uh, How are we going to create content which ranks in the top five for them? What content do we need to create? How do we convert that into sales? And then how do we track and improve that over time? So we actually track uh, individual sales, that individual bits of content makes using uh, campaign tracking in Google Analytics. If you have e-commerce tracking, you can put UTM codes on your calls to action in your blog post. That'll probably track about half of the clicks that end up resulting in sales. Um, and then that lets that's you see very easily which posts are working, which ones aren't, um, what else can you work on and all that stuff. So SEO is like the key part of that that makes that work. Um, we've just ended up bolting on bits of bits around that to add more value um and to make that even better so that's the yeah, core of the of what SEO thing yeah. is
1: huge. So do so do you go as far as kind of yeah the keyword research uh if if the yeah.
2: yeah 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 that's the very first thing we'll do um and we will look at all of the factors around that so uh you've got to match up you, you know you want a good search volume per month and you might look at where that is which um if you have more sales in the us say you might focus on uh us volume if you have more international sales you might focus on europe or global plus us well not europe plus us or global um you then got to match the search intent to uh the keyword you're looking for so if i'm searching wordpress contact form probably the top uh probably let's say like Eight of the top ten results on the first page will be uh, best contact form articles, and then perhaps the other two are. So say, perhaps say one. The argument is a is a product page, so it might be say gravityforms.com, um, and one might be a article about how to set up your contact form. So if I then go and create a, an article about how to create how to set up a contact form, I'm actually competing for one spot on the first page. If I then go and create a best contact form plugin post, which may be quite a hard sell for the client to start with if they have the best contact form and they don't want to mention other contact forms. But if we can explain to them that actually, if we write this kind of article, we're competing for eight out of 10 of the posts on the first page. Whereas uh, if we do what may sound like a better idea, before we look at the search intent, we're actually competing for one and it's number seven. So it's gonna get 10% of the clicks of uh, something that's ranked one or two, then that starts to make a lot more sense. So you look at all of that. Um, I don't know if you want the, the full answer. I can go on for, go for many it. minutes. Yeah, no, that's good. Um,
0: <laughs> I'm just writing a blog post at the moment. Uh, Carry sure, on. So then
2: we look at, so then we <laughs> uh, look at the topics so what are people searching for? You want to create content um, which answers all of the questions that someone might have. So Google will reward content which, where, uh, you, where someone searches the term and then they click onto your site and then they don't come back. If uh, someone is bouncing from that um, post back to the search results, in Google's mind, The person has not found the answer they were looking for therefore your content shouldn't be ranked as high so by creating the most comprehensive post that answers all the questions doesn't have to be the longest as long as it answers the things people are looking for um then you can make sure that your post ranks better even if you're competing against high authority sites so you can do that by a mix of intuition um a bit of like user research, what are the use cases? What What do you think people might be looking for? And then just looking through everything that the uh, posts which are ranking contain, and then just making sure you cover all of those as well. Um, That's really powerful. You then obviously go away and write it. But by the time you got to the writing stage, you've got three pages of detail about the SEO yeah. research. Which means that, uh, so we, we work with external writers um, to do the actual writing bit, because it keeps costs down. But we tell them exactly what they should be writing and what we need from an SEO point of view. You then publish that. You then want to do some extra promotion to give it a boost so that Google sees that this is a good thing. I should rank this highly. And then you're going to plug in your keyword research um, and track the uh, results of that page over time. It normally takes like two to four months for a post to Get to it as high as it's going to go. At which point you can see how high that is, what the results are, um, and if you need to do any further optimization. That's like that's that's the SEO process. So, and that's what uh, probably like two thirds of our the time is actually spent doing.
0: That's fantastic. I can honestly say that was the most concise and useful thing this show has ever seen <laughs> so far, particularly between Ian and myself. That was absolutely brilliant. Um, and actually, as you were talking, the the site that just kept springing to mind every kind of thing you're saying, like, once you've done this, do this, is WP Beginner. Yeah. Because I seem to have been on that site all week because I've been doing, I've been, I've needed lots of little plugins for various different things, lots of different sites. I need to, like, there was like, I needed to replace a, a media item yesterday, for example, with another one and I didn't want it to rename it I just wanted to replace this one picture with another picture it was in a lot of posts already I didn't want to have to go through and you know change anything or do anything with the database or anything like that I just had a quick look and the first site pops up who beginner, and that's happened to me like five or six times this week and that seemed to fit with kind of what you were saying about they're always at the top they're always like a you know however many you know five different form plugins or um you know the best way to rename your you know media files or something like that you know they just appear for everything i've been looking for recently especially if you've got wordpress in the ser- in a, as a keyword in your search term
2: yeah yeah they have it covered and they do a very good job of uh making sure that for like wordpress specific search terms they have all of the content and that it's all good from an seo point of view um mm. it's just very impressive I mean,
1: it's, and it's not run by a developer it's run by a marketer i mean said Balkiri and, and all of his um products are just optimized to the hilt aren't they that wp beginner is just ranks all the time and like they own a form plugin so no wonder they've got uh, top 5 form plugins this is exactly what alex was saying like mm. it's 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 a it's a prime example isn't it of good marketing
2: Yeah, it's just really, really solid, and uh, it's quite interesting to see, as Syed has been investing in other product businesses in the last year or two, what they've applied to uh, the businesses they've invested in. Um, From my point of view, it's just very interesting to sit and have a look through what have they applied to everyone, because that must be what works. Yeah. um and uh like we keep fairly close tabs on what they're doing um say with WP forms which is super optimized um and yeah they will copy some stuff across and not others um and that's just useful to see <laughs> yeah. things like uh if you use any of their plugins it will ask you. they they're very good at asking you for a review on wordpress.org um And at first, I was thinking that was a ranking factor, which it, on the org, which it is. Um, but they asked for the review very early, um, and there's a. There's maybe it's more complicated than that. So if uh, by by creating a review, you're creating a public statement that I think this is good. Once you create once you've written that and it's published on the internet for everyone to see, uh, you will defend that, regardless of if your mind changes. <laughs> um, and so that's why, like, user-generated testimonials are so powerful. It's because then the user will uh, feel they need to uphold that recommendation. Um, so if you ask that quite early and then want them to upgrade or whatever it is, want them to carry on using on other sites or recommend the uh, plugin, then um, Having them have already verbalized what they think is good about it, it's actually really helpful. It's just things like that really interesting to to see.
1: Yeah, the, uh, it's interesting you put um, call out the kind of the review request notice that pops up. I mean, it, it it is it does work, and I have it on some of my own plugins. But I think some of their techniques always sort of skirt the line of just working and over the top and or aggressive and like so a recent example i saw where it's a it's a you know dashboard notice that appears everywhere but it's like two two lines of a paragraph saying if you'd like to review this it's really great and then a line break and then Said, and then founder line, line break founder of wp forms founder um, sorry line break link line break something else and so the the notice takes up almost 30 percent of the screen and i'm like okay as a developer, I'm, this is bordering on taking the the mic really, because this is just taking up the whole of the notice section. It, it's aggressive. It's over the top. But then the the sort of the small side of me that's like, oh, marketing, blah blah. Maybe that works. Maybe that is like the way to do it. But then if everyone does that, users are never going to see their actual dashboard content. So it's. I think what you've right, highlighted so I, there I,
0: though is an ongoing issue with w. p. notices as well, so, well they're right 'cause they're yeah, used, aren't they yeah they are, yeah, you install three plugins and activate them all at once, and all of a sudden you've got nothing you can't see any you can't see any widgets on your dashboard if you use them mm.
2: yeah i I feel like it's mm, gotta hate the hate the game, not the player. Yeah. No, that's yeah. A fair point. And uh I, I also think you can't talk about dashboard notifications without talking about Jetpack which uh, yeah. if you, which is
1: they set the bad example so yeah and, uh, right, and it's yeah. allowed and on .org and yeah.
2: Right, so like if Jetpack does it the rule is that it's fine. So yeah. that's what happens and uh everyone must know that. So
0: yeah. Do you, um you, you said you work be, with WooCommerce them, quite a lot? Sorry, Ian, there was no, no. a slight lag in there, it was a bit jumpy. Um, yeah, uh, Alex, you said you work with WooCommerce quite a lot. Do you find that WooCommerce do that as well? With the kind of-
2: So our, so our clients sell WooCommerce extensions. Okay. We don't work with WooCommerce itself. Mm-hmm. Um, WooCommerce extensions is a, a very fun like market segment. Okay. Um, so uh, I saw Yoast, Yoast the man, off of Yoast, uh, published a thing, I think last night, about um, the W3 text, CMS usage, Mm -hmm. um, market share thing. that Everyone likes because it says WordPress is the biggest, but he was breaking that down and saw that uh, WooCommerce is actually, if you count it separately, is actually the second most popular CMS.
0: Mm. I think I saw Um, that as well. Oh, wow. That's...
2: Yeah, and I think it was at, I think it was six percent market share mm. for Just WooCommerce, which is very interesting, and that's growing very quickly. And uh, yeah, if you've got a store, your propensity to spend money to solve problems that make you more money, where the where the, those lines are very clearly connected, in a way that uh, like that's probably true for most plugins, um, but in a store that's much easier to see. Mm. Um, people are happier to spend money, I think, for WooCommerce extensions. And yeah, there's a lot of like smart people working in the space who are really good to work with. And uh, I like it a lot.
1: Yeah, I mean, we spoke to James Kemp um, from Iconic last but one episode. Uh, and You know, obviously selling WordPress, uh, WooCommerce extensions and doing really well from it. And yeah, it it is a marketplace. And uh, you know, there's probably maybe three, four, five companies selling them and I feel like that, that are well known perhaps enough and I feel like there's still quite a bit of that market available and it's an exploding ecosystem around WooCommerce as it gets popular so yeah it There's
2: is there's, there's a, been a lot of people like entering that market in the last couple of years and it has got a lot more competitive so uh, I guess there are there are a handful of um uh, Businesses with like multiple solutions, like Yith, is the biggest mm-hmm. one. They have like thirty plus WooCommerce extensions, which is a lot. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, there are a couple of examples like that, like Prospress, who got acquired by Automatic. But there's a so there's a handful of like multi-solution stores, but there's a lot, a lot of really fast-moving. Um, businesses that are focused on just one or two bits of functionality Um, and that is where the growth has been and that's where like the really intense competition is right now yeah
1: yeah because you've got the as you say the Yist and the Skyverges and the people who own like 10 to 30 extensions and selling those but there's people like um, Meteoric which is the uh, WooCommerce analytics platform based around WooCommerce and it's just focused on Better analytics for WooCommerce and things like the abandoned carts or better checkout solutions. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's definitely a place that that you can still make money. And um, as a plugin developer, you know, I think oh maybe maybe that's you know that's a place where there's ready-made ideas for products. Which yeah,
2: yeah, it is. Um, it has got a lot more competitive recently Mm. Um, but there are still a lot of bits of functionality that are missing that people want
0: agreed yeah so I've got kind of one question and it's sort of slightly more going back towards like kind of your work on Ellipsis and kind of your agency work you mentioned you were being a freelancer for two three years before that and then you moved to being an agency and I see from your site you're three people is that right?
2: Yeah, yeah, we're just about to hire number four, which is really fun.
0: Great. So I, my question really was, why move from working by yourself to uh, having a, a, an agency, uh, a small agency? And and I, this kind of a follow-up question was also, is, is there any one person in charge, or are you kind of all equal in that?
2: Sure. Um, so, as a, a couple of strands to it, as a freelancer. Um, I was fully booked and um, I was, t- I was having to turn people away and like I put my prices up and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I put my prices up to the point where I felt like that was probably as high as they were going to go without, uh, without limiting the uh, work I can do matching the value that's being created.
0: Sure.
2: So I thought like I was at a good level and I was still booked up. So at that point, um, it was like, do I want to do this forever or do I want to uh, like create a business? I like working with people. Um, I think having a business keeps it way more interesting for me, at least, because I like solving problems. And now I have like the uh, whole new category of business things to work on which is fun mm-hmm. um anyway i, I guess you, you do have that as a freelancer obviously but it's it's different having other people um who are focused on the same things mm-hmm. um i've forgotten the rest of the question it, yeah if you were all kind of
0: equal in that business so i understand that you it was like a natural upgrade for you in your business to just kind of work with other people and do all of that. But are you all kind of equal within the agency or is there sort of more one person in charge and, and manages the rest?
2: Um, so I am in charge. Okay. So uh, yeah, we split out the roles down the different service offerings we have. Mm-hmm. So uh, we do strategy, content, copy, um so I currently do everything and we just like as we hire more people we just strip off bits of the everything that I do and then give them to other people (laughs) um so we're currently hiring an SEO content manager who's going to take on more of the kind of core SEO bits that we talked about earlier um my colleague Natasha currently doing more of the content they're going to move to the strategy and um, my colleague peter um takes care of the analytics and promotion okay that then leaves the copy bit um as like a an area to address in 2020 um currently kind of everyone does that sure but yeah i mean it uh we have like quite a progressive way of running the business so we don't We run everything through Basecamp. Mm -hmm. We therefore have everything open communication wise. We have very few meetings. Um, We have no Slack, no internal email. Mm -hmm. Um, Just everything's through Basecamp and everything is there for everyone to see and to chip in with ideas as as necessary. Um, Yeah, and I try to create the space for people to do really good work that is enjoyable. we are also aiming to become a B Corporation in 2020, mm-hmm. um, which is like a, a standard for, for ethically sound businesses. Because um, uh, that's really important to me. Um, yeah, and like basically the entire thing is set up around how I like to work, which is I don't like standing meetings and I like to be able to turn off email.
0: No, sure. No, I really like that. Putting it all into one place, like Basecamp and, and keeping it all open. I'm, I'm all for stuff like that. That's that's great. Nice. I suppose, OK, I just have one last question, which is sort of completely unrelated to all of that. And is when you're not doing work, what, what do you do? What do you do for fun?
2: I do many things for fun. <laughs> uh, we go travelling a lot, which is really exciting um my wife and i like to go to lots of places we uh went to ecuador this year which was cool we're going to japan next summer which i'm very excited about we're originally planning on trying to get to the tokyo olympics but uh yeah turns out that's more difficult than it sounded um i do a lot of running i did the oxford half marathon recently i live in oxford that was good, except it was uh, tipping it down with rain the entire time. Mm. Oh. Which was very upsetting. And half a round it came past my house.
0: I oh, know. Oh, so
2: the uh, <laughs> <laughs> temptation to go home was very strong. <laughs> yeah, uh, as we you commented on my studio headphones earlier, uh I'm a fairly keen musician. I haven't uh, used any of my studio gear for a while but what do you play try keep that up i play lots of things uh the so my wife and i met at university uh where we were in the brass band together nice because we had cool um band camp yeah <laughs> um yeah so i uh I, I did play the trumpet but as we all know uh no trumpets in a brass band only cornets which is the same but uh slightly shorter mm mm-hmm. so um never uh, give a cornet player a trumpet because it's a different size and then they hit themselves in the teeth right cuz yeah just a little pro tip life advice uh yeah so i played that like i i then i then turned out i wasn't very good at playing the cornet so i moved to the tenor horn which was cool um I aspire to play the drums, very bad at it, and I play guitar and piano as well.
0: Nice, good stuff. Yeah. That's great. No, I, it's, it's it's something I thought of kind of on the spot, and I thought, you know what, Ian, we should ask more people, more guests. What do you do outside of work? I don't know why we haven't yeah. already. We, so, we never yeah.
1: dive into the personal side, do we? We're all just business, business, business. Yeah.
0: But, yeah. How, Alex, how how much time would you say you spend? on like the musical stuff outside of outside of work because obviously travel is a bit more you know more time focused but do you do you practice every day do you how would you do it
2: yeah so I actually started having piano lessons last year um so I have those once a week and in I tell my teacher that I practice every day (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) which I have the very best of intentions of doing
1: yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice.
2: Are we... A lot of our friends are musicians. Like this evening, I'm taking photos for a friend's concert, and uh, some a lot of friends are actually professional musicians. So I just do what I can to keep up.
1: Nice. Nice. Great. I think we'd have to have to start editing this out into a separate podcast about like yeah. WordPress. WordPress folks at home. and yeah. Other such things. Nice. Oh, well, it's been really good talking to you, Alex. And actually very valuable from you know the discussions we've had about kind of the approaches to marketing and even the you know the things you reeled off for beginners or, or starting out in the plugin space and what to focus on that's been really helpful and I, I think you might have convinced jack that content marketing is the way forward uh, when it comes to a I blog. have quite the list next yeah. to me just here yeah nice. I mean we did talk about that with James Kemp about what he uses his blog for and it was kind of a bit more, you know, an eye-opener of actually your blogging to rank that then can convert rather than blogging about your product or,
2: like... Yeah, yeah, we actually worked with James on that. Yeah. Nice. nice. So, it comes full I hope server. his archers match yeah. mine.
1: I'm going to have to go back, edit that podcast and just, like, James, this isn't any of your idea. This is why we're giving you any credit for this. Um, but, no. Um, yeah. So no. Oh, thanks again for coming on. And I guess just to finish up, where can people find you online?
2: Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. I hope it was useful amongst uh, my awful tan habit of tangents. Uh, You're on the right show for that, my friend. I <laughs> I, I am on uh, a website called Twitter. Oh. Uh, where my my name, which is Alex Benning, uh, is is my username. Uh, that is good. I also run a newsletter for WordPress professionals that is on a weekly basis, and it is excellent, uh, called Master WP, which is at masterwp.co. And if if we should do your marketing for you, uh, the website is getellipsis.com, g t e l l i p s i s.com. We'll put it in the show notes. Turns out ellipsis is is like surprisingly hard to spell, so uh, always good to clarify that. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like, I'm I'm very tweetable, so tweet me if you want to say hi.
1: Brilliant. Are you going to be at any um, WordCamps in the UK this year? Or uh, next year, even?
2: Uh, so I was an organiser for London this year, um, and I told Dan, maybe the lead organiser, that I would do it again if he asked me, but please don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, Dan wants to move, Workout work London is normally in March, which would be my first one in 2020. Dan wants to move the venue to a bigger one. Um, probably don't repeat this too much because I don't think this is confirmed or official.
1: Don't worry, this isn't. Uh,
2: and that may be later in the year. Well, there, there was a tavern story that, that got picked up off someone saying something. Nice. Like, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not a quotable source on that. I think uh, Workout London will be later this year. Um, in which case, I guess I might go to Bristol in May, uh, and then London, Brighton. I are you going to WordCamp go to... Europe? Those are my three. I'll be WordCamp Europe. Well, yeah, we
1: can catch up then for definitely. Great, Sweet. and I may be emailing yeah. you about marketing services for my plugins.
2: Sweet. Well, you, I've given multiple methods for contacting <laughs> nice. you.
1: All right, well, thanks again. And yeah, very really nice to chat to you, Alex, and, and to you, Jack, to catch up. And we'll talk next time. Yeah, thanks, Alex.
0: Thanks, Thanks, thanks so much. See you next time.